Hey, everybody, this is Parenting is a Joke. I'm an overscheduled, dehydrated orb with freshly cut bangs called Ophira Eisenberg. On this show, I talk to stand up comics and comedy people about their work, what drives them, and how they are managing their career with kids in the mix. Or as I like to say, how the fuck are they doing it? Are they also being asked right at bedtime, Mom, who do you think will die first in our family? And I said, uh, all of us. <laughs> That's not the right answer. Anyways, I'm fine. Because on today's show, I have two parents, two wise moms, Amy Wilson and Margaret Abels, hosts of the very popular and hilarious podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. And I get their advice about how much I should push my kid into doing sports. You can only get as good at gymnastics as involves me not getting up early. Like, you can't go to the Olympics because I can't get up early. It's me, Amy and Margaret, right after these hand-picked ads. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. Top. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat okay. the eat all the leftover the leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the oh, barrel up, so to, up the hill. And then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guests like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corin Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How are you doing? I am not killing it right now. Nope, I'm not thriving. I'm not a queen. But I still exist. Isn't that amazing, as a woman, that I'm allowed to? It's pretty good. Uh, but I am trying to better myself as a parent. 
They say, follow your gut, but my gut is saying, run away. (laughs) So I'm not doing that. Uh, You know, and you always get asked as a mom, a working mom, how do you have it all? And I figured it out. You have it all by not doing large chunks of it. Seriously, you just let something suffer. You let your career suffer at times. You let your parenting suffer at times. You're not around for one of them. You don't have it all, right? That's how you do it. Dads have been doing this for decades time we take a page from them. So there is work, there is school, and then there is extracurricular activities. And they're kind of a big deal because my kid is seven. Seems like this is a time that you're trying to, you know, invest on something that they're into. You hope they're still into it because I don't know where you live. But here in New York, extracurricular activities are very specific and they're very competitive. So you register early in hopes that they are still into it. (laughs) and their interests don't change, which they do. Of course they do. I mean, you're like, I hope you still like African drums because you said you loved it. And I hope you still love looming. And then they don't want to do it. And it's not so much that they hate looming. It's just that they don't want to do anything at all, I think. By the way, those are actual real after-school offerings that they had last year. They actually had looming in one room or uh, coding in the other. (laughs) Those are two things my kid is going to need later in life. How to make a video game and how to make the rug he's sitting on to play them. And I'm going to talk about this and more with Margaret and Amy from the podcast What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood right after the break. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
It's Chelsea Handler. And if you listen to my podcast, Dear Chelsea, you know that I love making space for women to share their stories. And that is why I'm excited to be part of Women Take the Mic, iHeartRadio's celebration of women who make music, influence change, and create culture. All month long, your favorite voices from talk radio, music, and podcasting will highlight the remarkable achievements made by women and discuss the most significant issues facing us today. Search Women Take the Mic to listen to a collection of International Women's Day episodes from iHeart's top podcasts, including Angela Yee's Lip Service, The Psychology of Your 20s, and Dear Chelsea. It is a great way to support women and discover your new favorite show. Listen to Women Take the Mic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My guests today are co-creators and co-hosts of a powerhouse of a podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. They also are co-founders of Atalyst Media, which is a network that connects listeners and advertisers to podcasts with dedicated female audiences. They wear so many hats. They also combined have six children. What? Thank you so much for joining me, Amy Wilson and Margaret Abels. Hello. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having here. us. I mean, for being here, I said. I, that's, that's not, that's yeah, not we, nice. We are it's being not my here. podcast this time. This is the reverse. Right. So just to establish, can you share definitely the ages of your kids and if you feel comfortable, names, but up to you. So we we old. cover the waterfront. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I have now an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 14-year-old, one girl and two boys. And we've been doing the podcast for, I don't know, seven years. Yeah. And so when we started, I had three, five, and six, I think. And so it has been quite a journey of growing Growing yeah. as ourselves and with our small ones who are not Absolutely. that small anymore. Do you ever go back and listen to your old episodes? We have a Facebook group that's extremely active where, where our listeners talk to each other. And, and they were recommending to each other to go back and listen from the beginning. Like, it's so cute. Sometimes like they don't know the pandemic is coming. Oh, it's adorable. Literally, the episode we recorded. So we recorded about a week ahead. And the episode that launched the day after the pandemic started was cutting back on screens. And so we had to record an intro that was like, by oh. the way, don't do this. Like, it's right. crazy. We did not see it Right. Coming. The next two weeks, don't do yes. this. Like, don't do this to like April 1st, you guys. Yeah. Clearly. Right. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we've taken, we've retracted that episode. Right. right. But this won't, this won't take long or anything. So that's the other funny thing about these episodes. Like, God, three weeks at home with these kids. How will we fill the days? Yeah. I think that's really when we sort of developed like a real tight relationship with our... With uh, your listeners. Our listeners. They've been through the fire with us. Yeah. Yeah. And Amy, we never got to your kids' ages. Yeah. Yeah. So my kids, I mean, hold on to your chair, Ophira. My kids are 15, Mm. 19, Mm. and 20. So I had the teenagers, the the tweens, teens when we started. Now I have like... Kids in college. Adults, does the 20 year old live at home? You said college. For now, yeah. Like, yeah, so he's, he's going to be a junior in college, and then I have another one who's going to, another guy who's going to be a freshman in college. And so they both live at home, like, for the moment, you know, they're going to, they're going to be kind of coming in and out, which is so interesting because there's so much content out there right now, right? About the only, you only get 18 summers and all oh, of yeah. that, like, sands through the hourglass are the times that you'll have popsicles with your kids to so drop everything. And, and it's, it's not true. <laughs> I, am I the only one that's like, 18's a lot. That's a lot of time. time. <laughs> Can like, we okay, consider? Okay. 18. 18 yeah. summers. I'll wow. skip okay. one. How about? <laughs> I know. All that talk is so... It's just like everybody has the same experience. It goes 
fast, but the it drags horribly. Like it, it's fine. You cannot enjoy 18 summers. And then you but start seeing insane. like a thousand Sundays. I'm like, people, put it away. What not interested in this conversation. Stop with the math. Stop with the math and stop with the sentimentality. <laughs> Anxiety on both ends for me. I don't like counting at all. You know, it reminds me of actuarial insurance, like calculating. <laughs> There's something dark about that. Like, oh, you want to calculate uh, how long you're going to live? It's like, how does anyone know? Yeah, you want to start putting numbers we'll try. on stuff? It's like, no, no, let's just skip it. I just want to wake up dead and be done with it. I definitely don't want to know it's coming. Just leave me out of this conversation. Yeah, okay, 18 summers. Okay, honestly, when I talk to a lot of moms in entertainment, many comics I know have just had Thoughts their prayers. first. Yeah. They feel right now pretty adamant based on lifestyle, money, all these things, maybe age, that they are not going to have anymore. But I wonder, from your point of view, did you always want to have a larger family? Was that like a, a dream or was it uh, a Pringle situation? You had one, you're like, woo, can't stop. <laughs> Crunch you know, all me, you want. I, I, <laughs> I was in like... I was like in the sitcom acting world and I told myself that by the time I, I reached my mid-30s that I was either going to be like Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Seinfeld. That was the that was the you know pinnacle that I set for myself who I like saw once at a hotel like in her pool with their little kids. I'm like, I, I could do that. I could be super famous and have several sure. kids. Or I would, you know, bid farewell to all of that and I would by then be a, an, an actuarial, you know, <laughs> insurance person by then or whatever. And I wouldn't be, that, and that would be the turning point for me. And instead, I got to my mid-30s. And of course, as we all know, there is this vast gray area where most artists and comedians and performers work and live and, and have fulfilling lives. And I was one of them. That I was going to have kids. Yeah, I, I, I always knew I wanted to. How many? I wasn't really sure. You kept going. Well, it took me a long time to get pregnant with my okay. first. So I, let's say I, I removed all obstacles to there being more thinking, well, I'm, the last thing I'm going to do is like, get in the way of there being more because who can say? And then like almost immediately there was number two. Right. So close yeah. in age, right? Yeah. Which was a, a very welcome surprise. And then uh, number three was a couple years later. My husband was more in it than me. I mean, I obviously now I'm thrilled, but at the time I was like, I don't know if I can do three. He was deeply encouraging of all of, of how present he would be if we only had that third child. Why? He just always wanted three. Okay. I don't know. He's from three too. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, my daughter really, you know, completes our family in a wonderful way. But I will say like zero to one is impossible. One to two is is also impossible. And then two to three, I felt was sort of like, yeah, also hard. No, it's kind of the same. What are You're you already think? making the chicken nuggets. It's like, eh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One more face at the, the table. Nuggets. Who cares? <laughs> right. One more face. You? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is that yeah. a similar story? Different? No, right. very different for me because I was 36 and single and living in LA and doing entertainment stuff and comedy. And I definitely had kind of annoying, like I had the true biological clock being like, oh, I guess I'm not having kids and I'm not sure if that's right. And I was definitely thinking and panicking a lot about it. And then I met a guy, had an extreme whirlwind, whirlwind, I don't think there's a D on that word, courtship <laughs> that is a podcast of its own. And then we got married and said, all right, let's see how many kids we can have. And then... Four years later, we had three, and I was like, okay, this plan is going a little too well. We need to <laughs> shut see this how many down. Kids we can have. And so we yeah. ended up having three kids in four years. And um, then I woke up being 42 years old with three kids under four. And I was like, wow, this, I'm not sure this was the best plan I've ever made in my life, but I'm in it now. 
And that's how I've been ever since. Like just, it's like someone turned on the treadmill and I'm just trying to stay on my feet. I have joked before that, I don't know, sometimes I wake up and I go like, this is not for me, you know, but what am I going to do about it? (laughs) But in a way, I think that's kind of a blessing because I think that one of the causes of so much stress around parenting and talking to parents and talking to parenting experts is like somewhere out there in the forest, there's a secret box full of good parenting and healthy children and wonderful people. And if you just search long enough for it, and I'm like, man, I'm too tired to search. Let's just see how these guys turn out instead, (laughs) you know? And I think not feeling as committed to the idea of like, there's a perfect experience if I just search hard enough has been quite freeing for me. I'm like, guys, sorry, I'm old. I did this on a whim and now we're just all in the soup together. We'll see how it turns out. Mm -hmm. You talk about your parenting styles and I feel like you are speaking exactly to uh, the liquor you serve (laughs) in terms of what you claim your parenting style is, which is laissez-faire, as they may say. Mm -hmm. Uh, More relaxed, just sort of like it Mm -hmm. is what it is. Uh, And then your counterpoint here, Amy, uh, self-described as more organized and structured. For sure. Come on, what does that mean? You know, list-driven, organized. Like my, my kid is leaving for college in two weeks, three weeks. I'm thinking about it. You know, I have on my to-do list, start to think about what he's going to pack. This is number two. So probably number one, I would have had my list ready by then. Like, we should start to set aside some things probably. Think about, is he going to get a power strip? Does he need a desk lamp? Like, that's on my mind. And I will, at some point in the next week or two, sort of have that. And when we leave for, for the school, he will probably have most of what he needs in the back of the car, probably largely driven by his mother. I'm not an insane person, but I definitely hew more towards the like, there needs to be a plan for this. I'm trying to be a little bit more chill about it because, of course, it is my child's journey. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it is my child's journey. Somebody's got to decide what color the company is going to be. And I also think on the very positive side, you have a very, like, brilliant intellect and a strong curiosity about parenting as an undertaking that I benefit tremendously from. I think what makes our partnership work is that sometimes I do have like the gimlet eye to say like, I don't think that study is studying what it thinks it's studying. Like I'm kind of more cynical Mm. and prone to reject all advice. And so it's like Mm -hmm. we balance each other well because the stuff that sometimes I'm like, I wish I had heard that 10 years ago. I am interested in hearing about like how I could yell less. And and we've had some really interesting (laughs) conversations about that. And honestly, I think I have really benefited and I don't yell as much as I used to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that what, we've, what we've come down on, like on our many episodes, is that the, the research and the sort of, you could try this that we try to impart is not so you'll be a better parent, but so like your life as a parent will get a little easier. You know, if you want to like put on the whiteboard that Wednesday is taco night and Thursday is lasagna, that might make your life a little easier. It isn't you'll be a better person if you do that or, you know, be more like us. And we definitely are like we trip and fall on the same stuff. Like I need to be deciding what's for dinner tonight and I have no idea. <laughs> I don't, don't want to store. I'm not great at this, but it might help my, make my life easier if I knew ahead of time. Because you've been doing this for seven years, right? Yeah. So yeah. I went back to an earlier episode because my kid's only seven. So I was like, I need, oh, yeah, you need I, the you know, I was like, I, yeah. maybe there's something, something earlier. And you were talking about 
like food preferences and picky eating. And it was very interesting because, Myra, you were in the shit. You were like, I can't get a a vegetable. I think you said like different versions of chicken nuggets is basically the If we can go different Mm -hmm. shapes on the chicken nuggets, it's a win. Yeah. (laughs) That was a right. That was a big risk. Big step. And maybe because your kids were a little older, you were like, "Well, I have a thirteen-year-old that now eats everything." He used to be like that. We used to think, like, "Geez, our listeners, some of them are so much younger than us. Like, do we need to bridge that gap? Do we need right. to?" You know, and and then like they kind of like that. They like that. Like we're on the other side of like, you know what? You're it's gonna not have so a fourteen-year-old who's who's so hungry he'll eat everything. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. They like that perspective. So okay, you know, I could talk about the food thing forever, <laughs> but let's you know, l- let's just break it down. What are your challenges at home right now? Picky eating, still an issue in my house. I have a kid with some sensory issues. And so I'm still working the picky eating program, which is, you know, offering different preferred foods with non-preferred foods and just really still trying to figure that out because I have a kid who's still struggling in that area. And one of the things we say all the time is like, oh, kids will just get over this. Some kids won't, as it turns out. And so a lot of this stuff you're still working on. My biggest issue from day one through now Mm, it really isn't day one because they don't start talking until whatever, two or three. But <laughs> being talked to in a rude tone is my <gasps> kryptonite. I can not abide it. And I think yeah. that I drew too hard a line in the sand around it. And Amy has kind of helped me with some basically... If it happens, what do you say? Deniably out of earshot, Amy? Like... Yeah, like, don't yeah. chase well, like, every kid, fight, basically. Right. If your kid, you know, is is they're having a fight, and like you like you need to, you need to go to your room. You need to take that to your room. I don't want to hear that right now. And they go up the stairs, and they're you know stamping on the floor like she's such an idiot. <laughs> and you can hear it through the walls. You've already won. Don't then go up there and open the door and be like, what oh, no. did you say? I go up with the gasoline <laughs> and the matches, and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I will not be disrespected in my own home. Like, I am Mm -hmm. nuts on this topic. My daughter just came back from three weeks at summer camp. First time ever. Had a ball. And her cousin was over. I said, you guys really can't do that. And she turned to me and she was like, yes, we can because we'll put... And this voice came out of her. And I just turned to her like, excuse me, miss, what did we learn at summer camp? I didn't even say a word. And she was like, oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, we're going to stop doing that. But I mean, we have a secret language of like, we do not speak to mom with disrespect. But I have had to adjust the side of it, which is like, mom doesn't take every shiny piece of bait, which I have been horrible (laughs) at in the past. Like, I'll ruin the whole day. Like, if I think that... Oh, yeah. And sometimes they're just distracted or they're on their phone. They're like, what? Don't you say what to me, young man? It's like, Mm -hmm. and then we're off to the races. What Amy, I feel like, really helped me see is like the times where... I am driving the conflict is on me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, this is so bad uh, that I just like to insert because my son will get a very little kid, yeah. attitude a disrespectful tone. Sometimes I'm like, it's those big Nate books, isn't it? Oh, like, oh, I'll go leading to, him down you know, the garden <laughs> path. Big Nate. <laughs> You know, I don't want to dissuade him from reading. I like the. I would shut that reading down right now. (laughs) Nothing good comes from reading books, but the kids have a lot of attitude in them because that's where the comedy comes from. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and then I'm like, oh, you're mirroring this. I don't even know what to know. Yeah, well, I'm here from the future to tell you that it doesn't get better. It's just... I love that we're talking to Amy in, like, 
Australia. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the future. <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, have you heard of soiling the nest, Ophira? This, this <laughs> no, but I love it. Construct. Uh, it's the idea that um, when your kid is preparing to leave home, you know, it's a huge transition when they leave home for college or first job or whatever. And so the kid will prepare to leave to be like this place sucks anyway. And I never liked it here. They're, they start to soil the uh, nest and create a lot of conflict so that they're like, that's right. Like, I, I got to get out of here. I hate this place. Similarly, the parent can create in herself a like, I need this kid out of here. Like, I can't take it anymore because it just softens the the grief and the right. sundering, whatever. Right. So, yes, that's what's happening in my <laughs> house. You've got a nest. <laughs> but I will say also, like, even this idea can happen elementary school. It's part of, like, differentiating from parent, which is, yeah. as we like to say, developmentally appropriate. It's our favorite. Because right? it's like, I love that. when someone, you're like, yes, you're getting punched in the face. That's developmentally appropriate. It's like, oh, thanks. It doesn't, for those words. doesn't help the pain of getting punched in the face, but I think it feels better. But, but really the idea, I do think sometimes when you can say like, this is happening for a reason, it does make it better. It doesn't yeah. solve it, but it makes it feel like, oh, I see. It's very, very important that your child cleaves from you at a certain point right. and separates right. from you. That is a developmentally necessary step that starts at like four or five and then goes on. And so being and able steps, to see right. it a little bit is like, all right, this is right. Like we want to be able to be friends and, and, and peers at some point in our later life. And we have to do this part where they separate from me. Right. Right. Developmentally appropriate. The yeah. other one we love is a biological imperative. That's our other favorite go-to. Picky, Picky eating. eating is Picky a biological eating, it's a imperative. It's yeah. so that kids yeah. out in the woods, you know, being raised outside, they don't eat unfamiliar foods because there's a higher danger die of being poisoned. Yeah. Poison. So like, it's right when they start. It's why like when they aren't really walking and running yet, you know, like a, like a 13 month old in the high chair will Anything. eat whatever you give them. And then as soon as they get mobile and start moving around, they get very hedgy about trying new things. And that's like, it's there for a reason. Yeah. It's baked So when you cake. hear that, like... 22 month old parent being like my child eats everything i'm like okay biological imperative talk to me in six months when they <laughs> start right. uh, we do that with right. our son all the time we're like you used to love olives yeah we He's do that like, Mom, <laughs> it's a biological imperative to <laughs> keep me safe. i'm a little caveman now yeah, read that in big nate margaret what, what was it like for you in your household i grew up in a yelly loud household mm -hmm. funny i did not <laughs> grow up in a very yelly household at all I am a yeller and I have a bad temper and I've had this in friendships in my marriage with my kids is that I have a little bit of a tendency to be like, well, you know, it was just me when I was like, why were you late? And, da, 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 da. and friends of mine, my spouse have been like, it's a little intense, the like crazy yelling that you do. And I'm like, but it's just me being frustrated. Like I see it so clearly from my own skin it's hard for me to understand that my behavior could be scary to other people because I don't scare myself. Right. I have a version of this for myself that I'm just figuring out. Like, I like, I speak very quickly. I have a plan. We're going to get there. I like to get things done. And I have been, you know, had it explained to me by my family members, like, you're so uptight. Calm down. And I'm, I'm honestly not perceiving myself as uptight when we're moving quickly through the airport. That's like, I'm relaxed right. doing that. That's that calms me you. 
but it's making them feel anxious. And so when they tell me I'm anxious, I'm like, I'm absolutely not. Oh, but it makes you feel anxious. Right. I have to take that note. I, uh, you know, I have the same thing about like, but this is just me. Like, you have to accept right. who I am. Right. And, and there's a constant reaction <laughs> right. of like, no, it doesn't work in the workplace. It doesn't work in the family. That's like, not, that's yeah. not actually we how just, we do it out here in society. Yeah. To everybody yeah. else. And so I have a thing where I'm in a bad mood. I can go into a room and my, it feels very powerful. It it literally makes everyone else unhappy. Mm. And I'll be like, what's your problem? It's just me. I'm allowed to feel how I want. It's mm. like, no, no, no. Your gross stink of sadness is of going cranky. over <laughs> everyone. And it makes... That sounds familiar. Yeah, I was I just say, with my two-year-old niece, and she's in that phase of like, like screaming like her fingers are stuck in a vice. And then two seconds later, she's like, what's that? Because a bird like flew by. And I feel like that's kind of how I was operating. Also, I I was single for so long. I think I just got in my own habits and like being part of a small family society was a big adjustment for me. And like if you're driving around L.A. and like flipping people off as part of your like getting your anger out day. That's one thing. If you're trapped at home with Mm. kids and you're screaming at them twice a day, I had to really be like, oh, this amount of yelling is upsetting my household. And there's a lot of techniques and stuff that we've talked about. We devoted a whole episode to it. Like I was saying to Amy, I would wake up the next day and be like, my throat's scratchy. I think I'm sick. It's from yelling too much. And that's something that I've really gotten a hold of. And I feel better about it. Amy, when you, as the oldest of six, I'm just thinking when you decided to leave the house, like, were you in a position where your parents were like, we need the space, see you later, time for you to make your own way? Or were you such an integral part of taking care of everybody that it was like, oh, no, top hands are leaving? It was the former, definitely. I mean, it wasn't never explicitly stated, but it was sort of like, okay, I'm out of here. Like, I've managed to not get arrested or pregnant in my first 18 years. And that's now my, you know, continues to be my assignment, like stay out of trouble. Don't be any trouble. Get good grades, you know, reward their investment in my college career. The crazy thing is I have uh, my youngest sibling. He's 19 years younger than me. So he was born when I was a sophomore in college. Mm -hmm. So I truly had a, um, a more like aunt-like relationship than than a sibling relationship with him. Still do, you know, because I've never lived in the same household right. with him. Take care of him like when my parents went away for a week or whatever. So that was that was good training. But I was never, I felt the pull to succeed and, and not need anything from them, but I did not feel the pull to like come back and work the homestead. because we Right, they to. weren't like sitting with Kleenex at the window and... <laughs> Weeping. No, but although I do, rem- I remember my mom crying <laughs> well, the day she dropped me off at college, like saying goodbye. And I was like, why are you crying? I'm going to be fine. Right. Don't worry about it. I was, I was just like looking this and way. She's like, my first one. Right. My baby. My right. baby. Yeah. Okay. You know, just in terms of like talking about your careers and how they are morphing, because you have a lot to deal with at home. Yes. You have kids that are, that need you. Yes. I mean, I, I, and I'm not going to say that ever changes. Right. 18 summers. It gets a lot better. I'm going to say it gets a lot better. I will say (laughs) my kids are 11, 13 and 14. And this summer now I live somewhere where they can walk to town and get pizza. They can go get on the train and see a movie. But I was just saying last night, my 11 and 14 year old, I was going out to dinner. My dad's in town. I'm going to go meet him. I drive over. I drop my kids at the movie theater. They go to a movie. I pick up my dad. I have dinner. We have a nice long dinner. I drop him off and I come back and their movie's done. I pick them up. I was like, this is the life. This is living, guys. Like, there's no babysitter. There's no money exchange. I mean, I had to pay for the oh, movie, but sure. it, it, it a hundred million billion times 
to me gets better. Now I have a non-neurotypical kid, but I don't have a kid with severe uh, needs. And so I don't like to say it gets better because there are people for whom it stays really, really hard. But if you're in what we call the fat part of the bell curve, I think Mm -hmm. you can say Mm. it gets better. You get yeah. your identity. If they need fully you. They back. really need you. Uh, no, right? no, like your identity's gone forever. I'm sorry. That, that that that's never coming back. I didn't. I didn't mean to imply that. I never no. promise you that. <laughs> no, you're gonna wake up and be like, when did I become this old middle aged lady with a giant man in my house who no one respects? That is coming for you. I'm afraid. That's unavoidable. I mean, I don't know what it's like to have a 20 year old man uh, that is my son. It's pretty weird. My 14 year old just just came back from camp as tall as I am. And I'm like, it's just weirding me out. It's kind of nice, you know, when they when they do leave the nest, like the part before they leave is harder than the part after they leave. And then they come back and you relate to them and you talk to them about, you know, the Sixers, whatever it is they want to talk about. And they're just sort of like the most lovely those lovely adults that you just have a very different relationship with. It's not. It's not all bad. Believe me. Fingers fucking crossed. Mm-hmm. Oh, it'll be fine. Yours is sev- nice seven. Seven. Oh, it's so it's so fun. At fourteen, you're like, oh, we just had a twenty minute conversation about I don't know some movie that we watched together. It's it's it. I, I love the teen phase. I, I get it. The eye rolling and the door slamming and sure. the like. <laughs> Nightmare of driving. There's a lot of bad parts, but <laughs> nightmare of driving. And like oh the smells God. are bad. They're real bad. I mean, there's downsides, but I'm. I feel like my kid can't bad. wield a pillow without like ruining our entire apartment. Yeah, I can't imagine a wheel. driving, and yeah. even now with a 14 year old, I'm like, I think we'll start driving a little later. Driving's intense. <laughs> I was just driving with my new driver the other day. Yeah, it's it's tough, and that, it's a perfect moment of like they're behind the wheel. They're so intense. They're yelling at, at you, the person who's like, maybe you just want to just tack a little more, right? You know, whatever. Like, I need instruct because they're just wound so tight. And it was the perfect example of like, I am being yelled at. I understand why I'm being yelled at. The last thing that is safe for me to do right now is take this personally and start yelling back. <laughs> So, you know, one thing I keep talking about because of my kids' age is this, like, pursuit of extracurricular activities, what you put them in, how you decide, like, is that a passion or are we just going to, you're going to do piano for a year. And if you don't like that, I guess we'll quit. And then, I don't know, I I guess you hate soccer. Like, how, do you have any? We um, have so much on this. I mean, you got it. All right. (laughs) Clear your calendar. We got three hours on this. Please go for it. Whatever you get. I mean, I think the biggest thing that we've realized, which is kind of boring and a little bit, as Amy's grandma says, tweet, tweet, is you don't have the amount of control over your kids that you think you do. A lot of what's happening with extracurricular activities is illusion of control and the idea that like, if I can make my kid a concert pianist, that's a very valuable life. Or if my kid is not a concert pianist, they're not going to the right school in 10 years, or everyone else is making their kids into Chinese speaking, you know, robotics experts who also play a classical instrument, and I'm not, and I am team, let it go. You just don't have a lot of control over how it's going to turn out. And so if they're not liking piano, Amy has a great expression, don't let them quit on one hard day, but right. let them quit if there's only hard days. Maybe someone else's expression. That's a good one. Yeah. I should use that for me. That's the key. They are you. Like, do you want someone marching you to piano lessons if you don't like them? You don't. 
So I'm team now. We did an episode on like, should we let our kids quit? <laughs> and I asked my youngest child for advice. And she said, I thought this was interesting. She's like, I, I think I would let them quit. I think she was about you know 10 at the time. I would let them quit if it was their idea to do the thing in the first place. Like, can I please sign up for for, you know, comic book class. And then two weeks in, they're like, I don't like it. Can I quit? Like, you know, sure. if, if it was generated by them, then um, I guess in my house, it was always like, you have to do something because, you know, you need them to have something to do after school besides come home. But letting them dabble was, was fine. Yeah. Did any of your kids go like even at an early age that's sort of like, I want to be a ballet dancer, like some passion that they identified that you were just like, okay, I guess we have to do this. I had a kid who wanted to be a gymnast and was a fantastic gymnast. And I was like, you can only get as good at gymnastics as involves me not getting up early. Like you can't <laughs> go to the Olympics because I can't get up early. And so you can go as far in gymnastics <laughs> as involves very little prayer. Like, I'll drop you off. And if possible, I will pay. But I'll pay for one lesson a week. Like, we don't have the funding to be doing five gymnastics lessons a week. Is it possible that my kid could be the male Simone Biles if I was a different person? It is. But now he can do some really cool flips. And that's all we're doing. I think that probably Simone Biles... I believe the story is that she was like flipping around the hallways at two years old and that her mother kind of reluctantly was like, okay, we have to get this kid in gymnastics because right. she seems crazy good. And then it seemed to everybody that like, wait a minute, this is a once in a generation phenomenal talent. That did not happen with my kid. And so I'm slightly joking, but I, I mean, unfortunately, what we keep learning again and again on the podcast on every topic, there's a sweet spot in the middle somewhere that is probably not like you completely stressing out and forcing them into a lot of activities and being the kind of like tie them to the piano bench and insult them until they play Chopin. And totally, you don't ever have to worry about it at all. And it all falls into place. Like, realistically, there's a place in the middle there that's probably right for most people. And I probably mm -hmm. am slightly more don't do it at all. And my kids will yell at me when their friends are like playing guitar around the fire and being like, why didn't you ever give me instrument lessons? And I'll be like, stop talking to me. This is why we bought the dogs to keep you away from the house. <laughs> Amy, what is your kids uh, ideas for what they want to study in college? Um, I got one kid who wants to do uh, sports management, professional basketball. All so right. my next kid is one of those kids who's like maybe biology and maybe music and maybe Chinese, like just one of those, I think a mini me, just like I'm really interested in a lot of different things and I like to go down rabbit holes. And so who knows where that kid will end up. And then my youngest is perhaps going to be a performer. We, <gasps> we shall see, but too late guys. She's got too the bug. Uh, mm -hmm. well, it was good while it lasted. We, huh? uh, we have yeah. a small theater in our town and the woman who runs it is a friend of mine. And she's always like, you should send your kids to camp. And you know, I love to support this theater. I go to the Gala, I donate money. I'm like, do not tell them about the life. I'm trying to keep them out of the life. <laughs> the life, yeah. And now that you're at this point in your own careers and you have kids that are a little bit self-sufficient, are you are you looking at things to do, projects to do that were formerly on the back burner? 
Well, we've had a really like organic growth at at this job. I mean, I had a very, very, uh, I would say unsuccessful comedy career. Like I was always kind of making money here and there and doing gigs and getting writing things. But I loved that I was trying and I loved doing it my own way. But this has been a really nice development. And honestly, it's grown in a way that like it was pretty quiet when my kids were younger and we were, you know, I was able to do it. I think my fourth grader was like, my dad does blah, blah, blah. And my mom doesn't have a job. I was like, yo, I have a <laughs> Thanks, job. baby. I'm like running a podcast and making some real money around here, people. But like, that's kind of my kids were like, I, I guess she has a podcast. She doesn't have a job. And um, all this very lengthy answer to say, it's been this nice organic growth and it's worked really nicely around our parenting schedules. And um, I'm very happy for it and grateful for it. You know, if I may just sort of like land the plane metaphorically. Like I need it. I've been circling for a while, Amy. I'm like, I'm running out <laughs> well, of I'm fuel I'm just thinking like, what, would we, what did we want to be when we grew up? And like when I was going to Jeannie Wojtek School of Dance when I was 10, it was not actually preparing me to run a, have a podcast and a podcast advertising agency, except it did, right? And right. so it's like you're, my very happy adult life has led many places that weren't highly predicted by my mother being Mama Rose when I was 10. Mm. You know, right. She let me find my way and I found my way. That's And you found your way. We all found our way. We all find our way. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for titling the episode as well. <laughs> so there you go. See, you can listen to Amy and Margaret on What Fresh Hell three times a week. Yes. Three yeah. times a week, my friends. And they do a question of the week. So you can go to their Facebook group and pose a question. There's a whole community of moms there. Uh, that's on Mondays, regular episodes on Wednesday, and a fresh take interview with experts on Friday. Thank you so much. It's uh, like, I love talking to you. This was such a fun conversation. Awesome. Thanks, Ophira. This is so fun. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe now to this podcast. Pass it along to a friend. For more updates and content, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Parenting is a Joke. On Twitter or X or Z or Y, whatever it's called. We're at Parenting Joke and subscribe to our Substack. With new content every week, go to Substack and search for Parenting is a Joke. And you can head over to prettygoodfriends.com for comedy albums that are brand new and live shows. And guess what? We have merch, my friends. We have merchandise. Yes, you can get a back-to-school set that includes a high-end Hydra Peak water bottle that says future lost and found item and a stasher bag that reads I'm a great parent which is perfect for veggies pencils or cocaine our episode is produced by me and Julie Smith Clem our editor is Nina Porzuki our sound designer is Tina Toby Mack our digital marketing is done by Laura Vogel our theme song and music is by Adira Amram and The Experience special thanks to all of the engineers at CityVox and I'm going to leave you with producer Julie and her son showing off his special skill Producer Julie here just to weigh in real quick. I shuttle my kids around to a lot of extracurricular activities, especially my son who loves them, wants to do all of them. And yet when he was asked by his second grade teacher to share with the class his special skill, this is what he said.
Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat the, eat all the leftover, leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the barrel up up the hill and then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corinne Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 